Hello, friends. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Union Congregational Church. I'm Pastor Shepard. I've been away for the last couple weeks, but yesterday uh, we were joined by the wonderful Reverend Amy Fowler, who delivered uh, a wonderful sermon that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. So here's this week's message. This morning's first scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Thanks be to God. I once again very much appreciate Pastor Aaron's invitation to be in worship with you this morning and to preach. Uh, when he gave me the scripture, it occurred to me that you are probably walking through the book of Acts. Um, have you done the story of Peter and um, Cornelius? With the blanket being let down? Okay. It's actually before this one. Um, but I think the last one you did was um, the conversion of, of Paul, Saul into Paul. Yeah? Okay. Well, Paul is on a mission. And for those who know the Blues Brothers, he is on a mission from God. <laughs> so this 16th chapter of the book of Acts has to do with Paul's mission. I'll read just the beginning and then I'll go to the, our lesson for today. Paul went on also to Derbe and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew his father was a Greek. And they went from town to town, 
they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. They're traveling along. Paul has a vision where he hears God say, well, he hears a man say to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so they go. The story continues. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was there from the, the city of Thyatira and was a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I was noodling this sermon all week. And it didn't really come together until I watched the coronation yesterday. <laughs> Who would have guessed? I was fascinated with the ritual, which reminded me very much of our ordinations and installations. A lot of the same things going on. Things being put on, hands being laid, all kinds of things, lots of prayers. And I had been thinking, particularly because of the Peter passage, about the royal theology that is in the Bible. Did any of you see it? Yeah. The robes were purple, a tradition that goes back through time, both for kings and priests in the Bible. My mother, who was from Braintree and was pretty terse, used to describe a person that she thought was haughty as being to the purple born. Hmm. King Charles, as king and defender of the church, or as he wants to understand it, of, as defender of all faiths, is certainly to the purple born. You are in a season about learning about the spread of the church through Gentile territories. And so this book of Acts is a story of conversion, 
of building up communities of believers. Luke wrote it. His hero is Paul, and I think we can agree, an unlikely hero who answers God's call with endurance and persistence, a good deal of stubbornness, bravery, courage, and as we know from his letters, complaining. Sometimes in a rather passive-aggressive tone. He's not afraid to let those churches know when they have hurt him. See 2 Corinthians especially. Luke's story includes women. The women named are the wealthy ones, those able to provide not just hospitality but also funding for Paul. And we hear in Acts and in the letters that their homes become, in fact, um, de facto mission centers um, in the cities where they lived. Paul will come into a city, establish a group, and then he moves on. But that group remains usually as a house church. And then as he travels on, he'll write letters back to the churches he has helped establish. An important part of that are the women of high status and reputation, like Lydia. At least in terms of their approval, that people will say, well, if Lydia is believing this, maybe I should look into it and also providing funding and a place to meet. Now Lydia is that woman. She lives in Philippi, which is a sophisticated international city, a Roman colony, a, a place of commerce, and she trades in purple fabric. She has only the best clientele. She is the head of her household. We don't hear about her husband. She, we know that she's the head of her household because when she is baptized, her entire household is baptized. Now that's, that's how it worked. She worships at a place by the river where people gather to pray, and Paul tells us, excuse me, Luke tells us that uh, she's worshiping, she's worshiping God already. And so when Paul goes to speak there, she opens her heart, and she takes it all in. And to open your heart is not just an emotional appeal, but also means she opens her mind, and apparently she has a pretty good mind. She invites Paul and his group to stay with her, and they do. Luke does not name her as the founder of a house church, but she may have been. I asked you about the story of, of, of Peter and Cornelius because Peter has a dream which leads him to say, I truly understand that God knows no partiality. And there we are learning about the mission to the Gentiles. The gospel is not just for Jews. 
there's a whole Gentile world out there, and that's the world that Paul is evangelizing. Peter is also involved in similar work. And we hear more from Peter himself, or at least from his circle, about the spread of the church in Asia Minor. Now, the Greek in this first letter of Peter is very highly polished. And of course, Peter, the apostle, uh, his original language was not Greek. It was, it was Aramaic. And, and he was a, a fisherman. So it's likely that someone in Peter's circle was the one who actually wrote this lovely letter. And it's addressed to the exiles in the dispersion, five provinces of Asia Minor, telling them that they have been chosen by God and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Christ. And they are exiles in the sense that they are living as a contrast community in a larger culture. So they are both of the culture and also distinct from it. There are communities of believers in this part of the Roman Empire that are completely surrounded by Roman rule and Greco-Roman philosophy. And so these little communities are trying to figure out what it means to live faithfully. And Peter tells them, grow up. Grow up into salvation. He begins this chapter by first telling them what they have to get rid of. Rid yourselves of malice, guile, insincerity, and slander. That's a good start. If you're going to be a contrast community, the fact that you are not gossiping or slandering or cheating, but living ethically, is going to be a very good start. It also reminds us of the language that Paul himself used as, again, he was telling people who were preparing for baptism, take off that old self and leave it by the side of the river. Because when you enter the river for your baptism, when you come out, you will be wrapped in a clean white robe. And your life will be new. Peter also is telling these communities to allow themselves to be built into a structure. Hmm. The structural letter. And the structure is a spiritual house. Allow yourself to be a building block and a structural house for the edification of both faith and society. And this spiritual house will be a place to come where people can offer themselves. Not animals, but offer themselves for works that are acceptable to God. Jesus is the cornerstone for a bunch of people. He's going to be the stumbling block. But you, in your little community, can be built into this greater spiritual structure. 
And why should you be part of that? Because, Peter tells them, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, you are to the purple born in the best possible way. And there's a purpose. It's not just that you look good in purple. You are gathered for the purpose of declaring the mighty acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then come my two favorite verses. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You are to the purple born. Who would have guessed? It's you. So, Peter goes on to say, so straighten your crowns. Did you see Camilla? She was kind of straightening her hair and her crown yesterday. Mm-hmm. Straighten your crowns and adjust your purple robes and live as if it is true. And that's what it comes down to for Peter. It is through your ethical and religious and social behavior that you will become that community within a community that community where people will say, I'm not sure what they're doing, but I think that it's worth finding out. Live as people who live as if people are watching you because they are. Remain active in your place, in your society, in your culture, and show yourselves to be faithful followers of Christ. And he goes on to talk about what that looks like. So I wanted to share just a little bit of that with you. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that, though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the, sake, for the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors of, as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. It's a real case of leadership by example. It's not that people want to be you, it's that they see you, and they wonder, what is going on with them? They'll know we are Christians by our love. So, as people to the purple born, we are inheritors by faith of this royal status. 
and we're not too comfortable with that. We are to the purple born in the best possible way. And it helps to answer how is it that we will live in faithfulness to God and Christ, not withdrawing from public life. To be faithful, you don't have to withdraw from public life. But acknowledging that we are a part of a community. What will we take off? What will we put on? How will we conduct ourselves in a way that honors God? As servants of God, we may be free people, but Peter tells us we should never use our freedom as a pretext for doing evil. Love and respect God. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. And most importantly, grow up. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order you, that you may declare the mighty acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. May we grow up into salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Union Congregational Church and our life together, you can visit our website, churchbythepark.org, or find us on social media, at Church by the Park. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.